got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gable and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, nice to see you, a couple of weeks off, feeling refreshed? Yeah, very refreshed, a um, couple of weeks off, nice not to go through the, uh, the weekly emotional turmoil of, uh, um, of the blue, black and white and just enjoy um, you know some of the Six Nations and uh, you know some of those Bath boys in, in, involved as well. Yeah, time for the players and the pundits like us, Tom, to <laughs> take a couple of weeks off to refresh, regroup, evaluate our game so far, um, look at uh, where we can get better, uh, the changes we need to make. And uh, yeah, Andrew's no longer with us, so take from that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> no, only kidding. Uh, couldn't make it this week, but I'm sure he'll be back on as a guest. Uh, sometime soon Tom what have you made of the the Six Nations what is what do you do you go through the same uh, ups and downs you do on a on a premiership or a European week when you're watching the blue black and white I don't, I don't think so to be honest it's, it's a bit of a strange one obviously going into the the first game in Paris um, you know no one really knew what kind of England side we're gonna we're gonna turn up obviously with the kind of hangover of the the World Cup final I think still uh, playing a part in you know what was a very similar team um, and, and similar wider squad, um, and then again sort of the old cliche about you don't know which France team is gonna gonna turn up, but a completely new squad, um, you know very inexperienced but also I think exciting and talented squad, and then obviously Sean Edwards um, and Fabian Gauthier coming in as as coaching staff, and um, yeah they just looked far more up for it on the on the day, and um, you know France is always a team that I have had a, a bit of a soft spot mm. for, and I think. Gee, obviously us having been to Toulouse last mm. season in the Champions Cup, um, uh, we both got a um, a bit of a soft spot, for, spot soft spot for um, Antoine Dupont and uh, and uh, um, Roman Entomac, and um, you know those guys have been uh, fantastic if if mercurial mm. um, the first couple of weeks, um, and I think you know as as we spoke about at the weekend, very very important um, to kind of right that wrong and to uh, get a get a positive result um, for, for the Calcutta Cup. Yeah, you talk about the England boys maybe having a, a post-World Cup hangover. I still think I'm hungover from our trip to Japan, so uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if they are as well. Um, should we talk about the England guys, the Bath guys in the England squad, Tom? Uh, and you mentioned there, obviously, one defeat, one victory. Um, who's been the, the standout over uh, the first couple of weeks uh, of the Six Nations from a, from a blue, black and white perspective? Yeah, I think it'll be Sam Underhill. Um, mm. I think, um, you know, particularly against Scotland, it, that was a game that was kind of made for him. Um, you know, I think him and Tom Curry have kind of battled it out over the last year or so um, for those Man of the Match awards. Tom Curry um, very much playing out of position. I think he did better against, uh, against Scotland, but, um, you know, it's certainly not his favourite position. I think it's a bit of a... Uh, strange call from from Eddie Jones to sort of continue playing him at at eight because he is such a a talented flanker and Sam Underhill came into his own you know 15 tackles I think it was um, three or four turnovers he's carrying quite effectively as well um, uh, you know it was a it was a game um, that was came down really to, to some very fine margins and um, I think he brought the intensity really well. Um, uh, particularly in defence as he always does at Murrayfield yeah I think those conditions and that sort of game certainly didn't suit Jonathan Joseph no. this game but uh, definitely that is made for Sam Underhill a, a guy who prides himself on, on, on doing those basics really well particularly in defence and I think I actually saw a tweet from him uh, or an Instagram post from him after the game sort of saying how much he enjoyed that particular game and that particular performance and yeah I don't imagine Jonathan Joseph would be would be uh, say, saying similar sort of sentiments because uh, very difficult to, to kind of influence the game when, when you've got uh, Joseph's skill set in those terrible conditions in Edinburgh on Yeah and I think, I think they're using him wrong as well he when he came on um, for the injured uh, Manny Tuolangi they were sort of trying to use him in the same way um, and I think you know him and Tuolangi are very very effective but in very different ways mm. and um, you know they were using um, that same structure and using JJ as sort of um, a direct replacement for Manny Tuolangi crashing him up the middle we know that that um, is not his game as you say it wasn't um, his conditions um, on Saturday either um, but you know what you're going to get you know you're going to get solid um, solid defence at the very best of the times 
Um, you know, we didn't concede a try against uh, Scotland. We held out well despite them getting a lot of opportunities. Um, and um, I think he did well from that perspective. I think mm. the other guy who's been unlucky is is Anthony Watson. Um, mm. Obviously, G, you pulled up with a um, a hamstring injury, um, <laughs> but I think that was sort of from bending down to pick up the ball, where Anthony Watson was probably doing a, a ten and a half second hundred meters. But uh, yeah, pulled up. He, he was he's been unlucky, I think, because um, we've disagreed on this many many times. But I think this with the guys out injured um, and George Furbank coming in, I think this would have been his opportunity um, to get to get some sustained game time at fullback in an England shirt. Um, and, you know, it sounds like he was, uh, uh, he, he sort of closely, uh, you know, very nearly was able to play in both games and has just missed out on both occasions. So he'll be, he'll be gutted about that. Yeah, he can't catch a break, can he, no. Watson, at the moment? Like, you saw after... Uh, the New Zealand victory in the World Cup where, when he played a key role in that game and played a key role through, for a stretch of games in the World Cup, which is something he's not been able to do for, for club and country. And the emotion on his face after that game, kind of, it all came out in, in, in the difficult journey he'd had getting there, battling through injuries, battling through rehab. That Achilles was an absolute nightmare to get over. And it's just, yeah, he can't catch a break because this is the prime of his career. And as you say, it was a perfect opportunity to, to give him a go at 15. I think um, Jones has probably come to the realisation that that's maybe not Elliot Daly's best position. And, and George Furbank is an inexperienced guy who's shown a lot of promise. But I think it was perfect opportunity to try Watson. And, and I think he would have been fantastic in both games. Diffusing high balls he's fantastic at, which have been fine against Scotland. And kind of exploiting the chances that the French did give us in that first game would have been great to have him so yeah obviously a week off now for the England guys um, just fingers crossed he can get back for the Ireland game because wherever he's playing whether it be 15 or on the wing he's he's key for England and he really provides that that extra attacking spark and uh, yeah I think it'd be great to have him back but as you say so so unlucky yeah and that, that's a mouth-watering clash isn't it the mm. the Irish game and I think that's going to go a long way really to dictating who um, at least in you know the, the you know from from a fan's perspective are sort of the um, kind of the kings of Northern Hemisphere rugby at the moment. You know, mm. back in Twickenham, um, you know, for the first time since before the World Cup, um, you know, Andy Farrell versus Owen Farrell. Mm. Um, a lot of really interesting matchups. I think the um, the Irish scrum has been um, particularly dominant as well in the in the last couple of weeks. It's mm. obviously a massive area for them, so um, that's going to be key. And you know, with the Lions around the corner. Um, it, it really yeah. is a it really is a mouth altering prospect. So fingers crossed he can um, you know, continue his his good rehab and get back for Ireland. But um, yeah, I must say when I saw the article that he was uh, he was out, I did uh, um, I did lose my head a little bit because <laughs> um, it did sort of take me back to um, you know the news obviously following the World Cup that Thokinasiga had been um, injured in in an England camp and um, not potentially um, you know Bath weren't told and sort of weren't treated mm. how you'd expect. Um, I guess uh, from a fan's perspective and um, yeah I think Watson sort of took that injury into the camp after he limped off against Leicester so um, no blame I I think there for England but yeah he's just he's just been so unlucky and um, I just want to see him get game time because we know how good he is easiest journalism in the world at the moment reporting on Anthony Watson's injury just copy and paste your Mm. your your previous article you've done about it update the date and update the injury the guy can't catch a break just just before we come on to talk about the scrum which I do want to talk to you about I just want to make a point that you made pick up on a point you made about Jonathan Joseph and, and how they're, they're using him. And I do think you're right. They are trying to use him in a way which, which doesn't suit his game. But I think without um, without Tuolangi and without Vinopola, that team really looks devoid of carriers. Yep. I think that was a key reason as to why Ludlam came in to play at six in that, in that Scotland game. And a key reason why when Ellis Genge came on, on on Saturday, he had such a big impact, I thought, because we just lacked big guys to get over the game line when it is tough and I think we've really struggled to, to, to get over the, the, the trial and we've been in the five metres we, we saw that against Scotland on a couple of occasions and against France mm. and I just think they're searching for guys to, to, to get them over the game line because they are missing their two primary carriers in, in Billy and, and in Manu yeah and I think that was you know some of the reason for um, you know, the changes that were that were made that were largely called for really obviously Vunapola and Tuolangi being two of our principal carriers Mako coming back in um, against Scotland he had a big impact and George Cruz as well mm. um, you know I think an underrated carrier actually and obviously um, you know probably the the biggest guy in that pack outside uh, Billy Vunapola so um, and I, I think you know coming back from 
the, you know, to, to the Bath guys as well. So Charlie Yules has come in for maybe slightly, well, I would say very harsh criticism actually following the, the game um, against France. People saying that he shouldn't have been in. Um, people saying that he was anonymous. I actually think he had a mm. he had a pretty good game. The lineup was one of the only positives to take from that, that France game. Um, he disrupted two or three at least um, mm. of, of the French ball. Um, and I think he was, you know, he was fairly effective around the park in, in what was otherwise... Um, you know, a pretty scrappy performance. So um, I think he's been done a bit of injustice. That said, you know, I was surprised to see him him come straight into the into the England squad. He's obviously one of those into the England starting fifteen. Mm. Sorry, I think he's obviously one of those players that um, Eddie Jones really rates and, and sees a future in. Um, and I think you know, with the widely um, kind of rumoured. Uh, you know about George Cruz off to Japan or potentially France. Eddie Jones potentially looking to to the future in in that position, which is good to see. Yeah, he's almost felt like he was slightly scapegoated after that France yeah. game. I think that's fair enough to say, and I don't think that was fair because as you said I think he was quite bright. But but Yorzy's game isn't necessarily in the the carrying. Uh, I think he, as you say, he's a really good line out operator, and, and that showed up. But um, maybe he didn't have uh, the impact that Jones was looking for around the park. Um, we need to talk about the scrum, Tom, and particularly um, the lack of Bath presence in that scrum in that Scotland game. Obviously, it was fantastic to see Will Stewart uh, named in the 23 on both occasions. Tom Dunn named in the 16 shirt yes. against Scotland, which was fantastic to see, hugely well-deserved. But unfortunately, from a Bath point of view, neither were used in that Scotland game. Both unused substitutions, which you know for front rowers is, is really unusual. Uh, kind of... <laughs> Why do you think Jones chose to do that? Is that is that showing clearly that a lack of trust there? Was it just because George and um, Sinclair were having really strong games? What what was the reasoning behind that? I think I think it's 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 difficult and it's not particularly encouraging from from a Bath perspective. I think Eddie Jones has shown in the past that he makes his mind up about players quite quickly, um, and there are certain players that you know for whatever reason and sometimes quite perplexingly he does not believe to be Test match animals. Um, and those players just don't really get a look in. Um, you know, you think of Tamana Harrison, um, Alex Good, another one who's just never really had a look in despite really strong premiership form. And I'm not for a moment saying that Dunn and Stewart are in that category, but I would like to have seen some trust shown, particularly in Tom Dunn, to be honest, in that Scotland game, just because, you know, he hasn't, he's not capped. It's obviously a big moment to get that, um, you know, to get that first cap and just to get... Um, the nerves out of your system just to, to, to sort of put that whole um, event as it is of getting your first cap just behind you and get on with focusing on performing well for, for England. And I think the game was won by that point. Obviously, mm. the Ellis Genge try, um, seven points up, um, sort of camped down um, near the Scotland 22. And I think, you know, just to give them a couple of minutes at the end, um, you know, I was I was disappointed that that Jones didn't do that. And, and to be honest, a, a little bit concerned because, you know, now Cowan Dickey, likely comes back in in a couple of weeks to face Ireland. Um, You know, so you don't know when Tom Dunn's going to get that opportunity again and and get the opportunity to, you know, to to show our good ears. But do you think that, and we'll never be able to answer this question, only Tom Dunn will be able to answer this question, but do you think he would rather come on with sort of, in a different occasion with 20 minutes to go, uh, with with sort of the game still on the line, as opposed to getting 60 seconds, 90 seconds to to kind of run out. And it's kind of like a token cap. What what do you think he he would rather, kind of hypothetically speaking? I don't know. If I was him, I would, you know, I, I just want to get it, get sort of the event of that first cap that you know the running out and just get that ticked off the list because that's obviously going to be a nervous moment you know he wasn't sure that he was gonna gonna get a game he must have been you know sitting on the um on the sideline kind of buzzing at the same but at the same time kind of nervous that he wasn't gonna um gonna gonna get on and make that first cap is you know all his family and and friends and, and all his fans like us were absolutely buzzing to see him run on um and i don't think he would have cared if it was for for 60 seconds to be honest he'll just want to get out of the way um, and then continue um, to build confidence in training, continue to get to, know the, get to know the rest of the squad and also the coaches, and then hopefully get more caps off the back of that. But um, he will have really wanted to, to, have been, to have been captain. You know, Will Stewart only played eight minutes in, in that game mm. against Scotland, and um, you know, Genji came on um, and Cowan Dickey before him, um, and I think I was, again, concerned that he wasn't going to get um, mm. his first cap in that, in that France game. Uh, luckily, he did, but, um, but yeah... Um, real shame for him because I think everyone kind of assumed that he'd at least get some time. Everyone's congratulating Tom Dunn on on you know on your first cap and 
um, and that kind of thing. So he won't have in the changing room after been been able to go up and you know um, shake whoever's hand and, and get that first cap mm-hmm. and just enjoy that with his family. So um, I imagine he'll be gutted, but his time his time will come. Um, it's just he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. He's now third choice hooker for England, which um, you know he hasn't been for a little while with Singleton ahead of him. So mm-hmm. he has um, made progress. He's obviously rated by by Eddie Jones. Um, and yeah, I think he just needs to bide his time and his time will come. And um, uh, when it does, um, yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah, fingers crossed for, for Danny, as you say, Tom. I was really disappointed that he didn't get on, but hopefully he gets the opportunity, gets a proper opportunity mm. um, and, and kind of proves, uh, I guess, Jones wrong on this yeah. instance, not to not to have trusted him. And maybe we're going over the top slightly and saying that, you know, just because he didn't play, um, you know, does Jones not rate him for whatever reason? Does Jones not trust him? You know, I think it was, as I said, massively important that we got that win against Scotland. You know, the reactionary nature um, of Bar fans definitely translates into into England fans more broadly. I think the Six Nations following the World Cup, um, particularly having lost in the final, is always one where people are. Um, are likely to overreact and, you know, people calling for Eddie Jones to be sacked after the France game. Um, you know, Stuart Hooper will be happy that um, fans are directing their their um, their anger elsewhere, I think, because uh, uh, ridiculous, to be honest, and um, people calling into question the, the talent of these guys who've went on an unbelievable run during the World Cup and previously, um, which is ridiculous. But I think Jones was so conscious that you know, with that kind of game against Scotland, Calcutta Cup, the narrative really of the media um, and of everyone else very much dictated by the result. Scrappy mm-hmm. performance, we'll forget about that in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we'd lost that Calcutta Cup, you know, we'd lost the last five out of seven games in the Six Nations on the road, um, which isn't a stat that he'll he'll be happy about. And I think he was just so desperate to to get that win um, that he decided to keep his Lions hooker and tighter prop out for 80 minutes. And can you blame him? Yeah, we're mm. biased from a Bath perspective, but, um, you know, uh, he did get that result. So, uh, yeah. I think the, the technical term for, for people like that are, is actually sausages, Tom. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, get that, get that right. <laughs> Ellis Gens, absolutely brilliant in his post-match interview. Um, yeah, I think that's really well said about Jones. And I think we'll kind of leave it there with the, with the England senior team. Um, yeah, hopefully we can we can build a bit of momentum and, and beat Ireland in a couple of weeks because uh, yeah, that'd be great. Just a quick mention, Tom, of the England under-20s mm. uh, team in which two of, of our favourites, two of Bath's young guns, Max Ajoma and Gabe Hamer-Webb, featuring prominently in two fantastic wins for, for England under-20s against France and Scotland. Uh, have you been able to catch much of those highlights? And if so, uh, do tell all. Yeah, well, I saw I saw the highlights, probably um, four or five minute highlights. Um, mm. Tweeted out the the video as well, and um, some of the rugby was absolutely absolutely brilliant. Um, particularly in that game against France, you know, France are the double um, junior world champions. Um, in their senior team now, we're starting to see the mm. product of that and the talent they've got. Um, some very impressive guys as well in their under twenty squad, and they were favourites going to that game in Paris as well. So to turn up and and do what we did in the fashion that we did it as well, um, to to score a, a length of the pitch try in the seventy ninth minute and take that take that win, having having you know um, been down to fourteen men only ten minutes before, shows enormous character. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, some of the rugby looking very, very flair and, you know, our boy Max Ajomo mm. very much at the, the centre of it. That first try, um, which he set up for um, the number eight, who's, whose name escapes me, but he's at Exeter. Um, you Caps, know, Capstick. Yeah, went, went through the middle, um, Ajomo. Lovely little drink and break. Jonathan Joseph-esque for sure. <laughs> um, and then a lovely offload just to put um, to put Capstick through for, for that first try. So, um, yeah, great to see him in the in the starting 12 shirt and Hammer Webb starting on the wing as well. Um, and then to back it up again on the road against Scotland um, in Edinburgh. Um, yeah, the, you know, potentially on for the for the Grand Slam. And again, bringing back all that positive energy, um, that, you know, competition-winning spirit back to Farley House. And um, hopefully Ajoma will join Hammer Webb in getting some game time mm-hmm. in the first 15 result. Yeah, genuine friend of the podcast, Max Ajoma. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, good work. And yeah, fingers crossed for a, for a Grand Slam there. And as you say, bringing that back to Farley House. Uh, let's move on, Tom, to, to some Bath rugby uh, related things, although these have mostly been Bath rugby related, but um, putting the international stuff aside uh, and looking at some off-field topics, which we don't really have time to, to get to uh, during the season. So I guess these two weeks 
or this two-week break where, where which we've got from from Bath games allows us to have a little look at them. And and that's I think firstly we'll we'll talk about the stadium for Bath. Mm. Kind of where are we with this? Because it's it's kind of always in the background of of my mind and of Bath fans and of the 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 ongoing the ongoings of Bath rugby, but it. I guess it doesn't really ever feel like we're getting somewhere. And um, the news that we'd extended um, our loan, our lease on the on the temporary stand at the wreck for, for another two seasons kind of suggests to me that, that that's another backward step for, for, for the stadium for Bath and, and kind of are we going to be where we are now for at least two more seasons. Where are we with, with this stadium for Bath? Uh, are we kind of going to see any more progress anytime soon? Um, I think so. No, is probably the answer to that. Um, so to take your point mm, on the good. on the lease. <laughs> so um, as people are probably aware, so there's a temporary or a sort of um, an ongoing yearly or, or two yearly contract with um, the recreation ground for um, obviously hire of that of of the recreation ground as we know it. And you know within the contract they can put up the the temporary stand on um, on the far side during the the winter, and then that comes down in summer. That's current contract in place is due to expire on um, at the end of May this year so it was always going to be that 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 was um, that you know that that was that was due to be extended just because the stadium for Bath was never going to be ready um, by May 2020 Um, and you know whilst there have been various um, you know various bits of news coming out about sort of the ongoing um, consultation and you know we've spoken in the past about all the different parties involved so residents um, you know the the council North East Somerset Council um, uh, uh, um, and uh, UNESCO because you know the centre of Bath being UNESCO World Heritage Site Mm. Um, now the news is that um, the final kind of revisions to the plans have been agreed um, further to all those different um, stages of the consultation so um, yeah there are a few things that have, have come out of that um, but the main point in terms of where we are in the in the process is that the final revisions have been agreed um, and the uh, the club said that in the new year so um, I think in the next couple of weeks really in 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 reality the final planning application will be made um, to the council so um you know, obviously, once that if that is agreed, then mm. um, we'll have a firmer idea of sort of if and when and what it will look like. Um, obviously, there's still scope for um, you know uh, for them to come back and say no, we're not happy with with X, Y, Z, and then we're sort of not back to square one, but we sort of go around and and that uh, that process happens again. Um, the club have said, or the club have given a date of July 2022 um, for completion of the stadium. So. Um, that's obviously fairly ambitious by the sounds of it. Um, and that would also mean that either next season or the following season, more likely, um, that would be the season where we were to move out of the wreck for, for the season. So, um, yeah, I don't think we'll be playing in the stadium for Bath anytime soon. But I think in terms of what Bath fans can expect, hopefully concrete plans, hopefully um, acceptance of the, the plans as well. So we know what it will actually look like. Um, and also potentially news in the next year or so around where we would play, um, you know, for for that season while it was being built. And obviously, there's been various, um, you know, various things said about that, whether it's Cardiff um, or Bristol um, or, or wherever. But um, that'll obviously affect affect Bath fans materially. Mm, yeah, that all sounds great, Tom, and and it would be fantastic for July 2022, and I, that'd be brilliant. I'd be happily play away from Bath for, for, for one season, take that hit to, to get that improved infrastructure in the centre of Bath, which is obviously the absolute key here. But I just always kind of look at things from a really sceptical view with, with, with Stadium for Bath, and I think a lot of Bath fans kind of share that, and I think you yeah. also kind of oh, share sure. that. Uh, and I think whilst we're probably closer than we ever have been to, to, to getting something in the centre of Bath, uh, I still think we, we we are a little way away from that, and and I think you say that that all those figure all the, the those parties that have got to come together to agree on this uh, on on this stadium, what it's going to look like, the the dimensions of the stadium, everything, all the little details for them to get all of them agreed, uh, and then for it ultimately be financially viable for for, for Bruce Craig and, and Tarkin McDonald just seems like they're going to have to strike an absolute incredible deal here and, and I just think for that to happen it's going to have to go through more more of these consultation processes where it will 
we'll put a plan in to, to UNESCO and to, to the council. They'll want a couple of things adjusted. Then that puts it back another six months, another year. And that just seems to keep on happening for, for it to, to, to get to that perfect level where all these parties are, are absolutely happy with it. I still feel like it, it, it's a long way off. And I really, really want to be proven wrong on this because it would be absolutely fantastic. And, and I know it's an absolute priority of McDonald and of Bruce Craig to get this done as soon as possible. It's something that that's been promised to, to Bath fans for, for almost as long as I've been a Bath fan, a kind of new stadium in the centre of Bath. So it would be insane. But um, yeah, I just still feel like uh, with, with all those key players um, having such, I guess, opposing views on, on, on maybe what it's going to look like, I still feel like it is potentially a little way away. But happy to be proven wrong, definitely. Yeah, and I think, you know, there has been a lot of consultation and that's always going to be the case when, you know, the various parties are involved, as you say. But I think this is the third round of formal consultations. And I was reading um, the full report um, a, a couple of days ago. And, you know, in terms of the volume of people that have been consulted, I think... Employees, they, ha- employees think, happy with your output. Oh, the weekend. <laughs> I, I think they are... I think we are. I think we are closer than potentially you think, but obviously that will be subject to the full application. Um, and if that just comes back to say no, we can't do it for for whatever reason, then as I say, it won't be back to square one. But um, we'll have to kind of um, restart a lot of that that consultation process. And you know, in terms of what's changed as well as a result of that consultation, we are start we are having to make some compromises as well. Mm. Um, uh, one of which is the height of the stadium, and this has been a massive issue. Um, you know, obviously, eighteen thousand is the capacity that we are targeting. Um, not a massive increase from from fourteen and a half um, as is current, but obviously, it would be a um, it would be a sort of permanent stands as well, higher up as well, and, and kind of better facilities, particularly on that that far side where the temporary stand is now. Um, in the latest round of consultation, that sort of height of the stadium has been reduced by a further five metres. Um, obviously, the pitch um, has to come down as a result of that as well. And we've spoken about um, the issues with um, with the playing field and, um, and being so close to, to a river. So um, there's lots of things at play. Um, it is a very fine balance. Um, but I think some of the key things now are agreed. More parking um, around the centre, more... Um, accessible in terms of public transport, um, particularly from like a sort of renewable energy point of view. Um, and also, and I think probably most importantly, the the hybrid surface, which um, I think kind of everyone is in favour of. Um, it kind of balances the, um, the safety aspect with players and, and players being able to play on it. Um, but also, um, really crucially, it will be able to be used kind of all year round. Um, and that's mm. the thing, not only from a community aspect, mm. but also from a financial aspect. Mm. You know, the club, like all other clubs in the Premiership, with the exception of Exeter, continued to make a loss, uh, 3.1 million last last financial year. Um, so we're obviously reliant on sort of um, Bruce Craig funding that. Um, and you know, one of the ways that Exeter have been able to uh, be the only club to make profit is that they use their conference facilities, they use their their pitch all year round, and for um, sort of uh, private functions as well as community projects so that's going to be going to be crucial um and um yeah i I think we're getting there but um but but you're probably right to be skeptical and um july 22 seems um (laughs) seems 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 too soon and that's been pushed back a couple of times already Mm. um and yeah i imagine it will be again and we are going to talk about uh, another way that that it is funded uh, Bath despite making that loss which is the, the ticket prices which loads of people have wanted us to mm. discuss so we are going to talk about that but I just want to kind of finish this off Tom and, and, and ask you is there is there a kind of date that, that, that either Bruce Craig or Tarkin McDonald or the club have, have kind of outlined as to say look if we've not come to an agreement by, by this date then that's it and we're, 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 we're looking at plan B here or, or is there kind of still uh, no outlined plan b and no deadline for this stadium to bar to, to actually get to the next stage we've not seen anything anything about that i think um uh, yeah i read an interesting interview with Tarquin mcdonald um and he was very very 
um, vocal on the the fact that we won't be moving out of Bath, and I think that is a key key priority, um, not only for not only for him, but I think for Craig as well. I think you know um, Bruce Craig's probably fully aware that Bath Rugby is never going to be financially sustainable. Um, but I think it doesn't have to be from his perspective. You know, he's, you know, whatever, worth 400 and 450 million, something like that. The wreck is obviously fantastic for him to bring along, um, you know, uh, prospective, um, uh, you know, businesses that he works with. Um, and yeah, it's a bit of a, a loss leader, but I think from his, um, his other businesses um, and, and, you know, the venture capital firms that he works with benefit enormously from being able to fly in on a helicopter um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, stand up there with Mr. Dyson and, and watch the game. So I don't think he's expecting anytime soon to get any sort of profit or any sort of payback from Bath Rugby. Um, but I guess you do need to be at least trying to be financially sustainable to some extent. Um, and, you know, the other point McDonald made is that the, the wreck at the moment, the facilities aren't really fit for purpose mm. um the the temporary stand is a is from the 1970s and um, we've spoken about the the playing field um as well and um you know particularly with the um you know um storm uh the, the storm cara whatever it is kiara <laughs> clara clara um raging round imagine uh, the conditions at murrayfield if that had been at the wreck you're about two meters underwater with all the snorkels <laughs> on so um i think everyone's acknowledged that but i think um I think I'd be very, very surprised and disappointed, I think, along with all Bar fans, um, if we had to move out. Yeah, my big worry is that, that Craig kind of gets to a point where the quality of rugby um, and the quality of facilities at the wreck uh, are yeah. so poor that he kind of says, sod it, I've had enough of this. I'm going to move us outside of Bath or, or onto the outskirts of Bath, build a beautiful complex where we can play racing Metro-style rugby um, and, and have the best facilities in the world. But um, that's my worry. I'd much rather it be in the centre of Bath, like all Bath fans. That's kind of reiterating that point. Yeah, I think if um, yeah, we turn around to UNESCO and said we want a ladder Fonserina <laughs> in the middle of Bath, um, there may be a few uh, a few barriers to, to yeah, achieving yeah. that. But... Um, then I agree with you. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the ticket prices, Tom. And we uh, got a tweet from um, Tom Scriven uh, who, who says, ticket prices are crazy. Some of the tickets for the Tigers game were 70 quid. Yeah. That is ridiculous for a stadium of the quality we currently have. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the ticket prices, Tom? I think we're um, both lucky in the fact that, that, that we know um, quite a lot of people that have got uh, season tickets at Bath. And so often when they can't go, uh, we, we end up going there in those places. Um, we do like to, to go to away games as well, um, which is kind of a way of not paying those, um, as, as Tom Scriven points out, quite quite high price at the wreck. But then you know, there are times when we, we bite the bullet and, and pay the, 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 the price at the wreck. What are your thoughts on the prices? Are, are, they, are they frankly too expensive? Yeah, I mean, having been round... Um, a lot of the the stadiums um, in the Premiership and, and abroad as well. It does seem to me, and I haven't seen any anything on this, but it does seem to me that the wreck, particularly this season, are at the, the top end. Um, they have got more expensive. For certain games, you are looking at £40, £40 for um, the cheapest possible ticket. Um, if you want to be anywhere sort of near the centre of the pitch, you're looking at, yeah, 70 quid and and upwards and the other thing they've stopped doing relative to last night is kind of a, a group discount mm. um thing so you, you previously if you could get a group of four or, or five of you together um you know you, you might get a 30 percent discount on it on each of the tickets and that kind of encouraged um you to try and get more people to go and, mm. and to um to get a slightly cheaper ticket that way they've stopped doing that and um I think I think it is a shame, and it does link back to that financial piece as well, because we are, um, I think, out of all the clubs, uh, the, the the best in terms of filling the stadium. So we mm. we generally have, well, I think, we by far have the the highest um, percentage uh, sort of sort of filled of the of the stadium, sort of up there, sort of in the high nineties, I think, isn't mm. it? Um, whereas you see other um, stadiums that that really struggle to to get anywhere near. Um, filling the stadium despite you know having having lots of lots of fans comes in like like in Ashton Gate for example so um, I can see why it's a it's a lever that the the club are trying to to pull um, but I think you know they do need to be very careful and if they could get to a situation where they could um, find other sources of income you know conferencing and using the pitch all year round as I've said in the future um, you know potentially we'd see 
um, you know, those increases um, at least start to slow down. For those listeners that are playing Bath Rugby Pro Bingo, then the the little slide dig at Bristol uh, dinged there with with Tom talking about. Ashton well, it's because they posted this thing about them having <laughs> oh, the most. Yeah. <laughs> they posted on. this thing about them having the most, um, the highest capacity there. Well, it's like, yeah, fine. But, you know, Bristol's a hell of a lot bigger than Bath. You're flogging the tickets. For, you're basically paying people to turn up. They literally do. Um, and you've got an absolute massive stadium that you don't fill. But obviously, the the you know the. Um, the actual, um, you know, attendance is higher, but um, but yeah, I live in Bristol and I've only been to Ashton Gate, I think, once. So uh, uh, <laughs> we got hammered as well. So that's probably why I've not been back. But um, no, I, I think you're right about about the ticket prices, Tom. At the end of the day, they are too expensive. They are one of the most expensive tickets in the land. You know, I would actually add that there are also other expensive tickets. I just looked quickly then the uh, the, the tickets for the Worcester game at Bath. Uh, sorry, the Bath game at Worcester six on the on the uh, six ways on the Worcester website, and you're looking at fifty quid a ticket there. So that is expensive as well. And I think generally rugby tickets have gone up quite considerably in, in the last few What's years. That, a service station premium. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pay pay more for your petrol at a service station. Pay more for your ticket as well at six ways. But um, no, they they have gone up. I would say. Um, the, the the rugby ticket prices internationals now you are, look at Twickenham, are, are, yeah. are really expensive, yeah. but I think unfortunately the point is the uh, that if people will pay it they will charge it and and we are about ninety eight ninety nine percent attendances at Bath which is as you say easily the highest in the league and and unfortunately whilst they are pricing people out you know there's a lot of people on twitter on facebook that get in touch with us and it's a lot of it is about this issue of ticket prices just being way too expensive and that lack of a a group deal as you say tom but 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 some people people um, are still paying people are still paying it and 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 that's fine if that's if they if they can then then all power to them and i think that that is the problem so um yeah unfortunately i don't see it as an issue which is going to go away because as you say with with bath making such a big loss that is um, something that, that they can easily do, put the ticket prices up a bit to, to kind of make that money. And um, yeah, it, it, is, it is unfortunate, but I think that that's the way. And, and um, yeah, I think something like a group discount would be much appreciated for a lot of Bath fans because we used that uh, on a number of occasions last season, Tom, and it, it mm. really did help us with being able to go. But um, yeah, certainly an interesting point and one which um, we've been asked to touch on many a time. So hopefully that's kind of uh, uh, covered off of that and given a little bit of light onto to, to the ticket prices. Um, where else do you want to go? Let's have a look at, um, well, the lack of uh, news about new signings, Yeah, Tom. I, I kind of thought that this two-week period would be great for the players to, to go away. Uh, I think a few of them were in New York uh, having a few a few drinks there, which looked fantastic. But I thought maybe the recruitment staff and, and the coaches would, would use this time to, to be in touch with... Um, I guess we're, we're really talking about the, the Saracens players that will likely be out of contract in, in the summer. But as of Monday evening recording, uh, still nothing new on that front. No, not not at all. I mean, there's you know the ongoing um, rumours that that we've spoken about. A couple of um, you know new new rumours as well circulating. So Paul Hill um, being being reported, um, Thomas Williams as well, um, Welsh scrum half. Um, so, uh, so is that, is that right? Maybe that's not right. A couple of rumours that I've seen anyway. Um, <laughs> I've seen that one. I mean, you, you create rumours on, on the Sorry, on the Alan Davis, <laughs> Welsh come off. Welsh come off, but, um, but yeah, he's got, yeah, 20 caps, 27 years old, Ospreys. Um, you know, obviously Reese Webb being back there. Um, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of been reported. And um, obviously we're clearly in the market for a halfback, but nothing concrete as as you've said and um you know would really like to see now um then these deals must be um must be there or thereabouts now um mm. both with the guys leaving the guys that have contract and also the guys that are being linked to us so um yeah nothing to report as yet but um but hopefully in the next the next week or two we'll um uh, hear hear the news that we're all waiting for what what would your reaction be tom to to a loan deal for, for 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 some of these Saracens guys, so so a one year loan to allow Saracens to come back up, and then with them having the clear intent to go back to Saracens. When yeah, 
obviously it's not ideal I'd rather lock these guys down for um, you know a couple of seasons we've spoken particularly with Ben Spencer and Azoski about how they could um, really transform what we're doing and we could you know, give these guys trust in in the starting halfback jerseys particularly you know, if we're talking about Freddie Burns potentially departing, Reese Priestler maybe the following year, we don't want to be in a position where we're letting these Saris guys go back to Saris and then we're left with kind of absolutely nothing with the squad. So I'd like to think that the um, you know that's been considered by the by Stuart Hooper and Co. Um, but the point I'd make, I guess, is that Saracens aren't able to pay these players even nearly at the moment. The the rumor is that they're going to retain their their most highly paid stars or the England the England guys and also some of the younger guys so I don't quite see how these guys without taking a significant pay cut that they're not willing to take going into next season why suddenly the following season there they'll they'll want to go back again on a significant pay cut you know Saris are not not able to afford them now so I'm not quite sure how they'll be able to uh, the season after next mm, yeah I would be really against a one-year loan and, and I see why that would probably not be the case, as you say, Saracen's not been able to afford them now. But I think if they are holding out for that loan out of a loyalty to Saracen's, then I think if they've got their minds made up on that and, and they are set on going back there, then I think we we, we leave that because I, I, I agree. We, we'll just be stuck in exactly the same boat 12 months' time. And whilst we may have you know, a period of... Um, increased performance at the halfback position for one season we've spoken about how we are building a slightly longer term plan uh, and I think that that's kind of two three four seasons in the future in, in terms of winning silverware so uh, I think uh, there will be loans though I, I've, I'll, 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 I'll be, I'll not, would you happy with that? Lozowski I think uh, you know again pure speculation but it feels like Ben Spencer's very committed to to Saracens, Wigglesworth obviously moving on. He'll see himself as, um, you know, the Saracens scrum half going forwards, whereas the Zoski, as we've said, he hasn't got his position nailed down. So um, I'll be very surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised, and, you know, it may explain why these um, this news and, and these contracts are taking a little while to, to come out and, and to be finalised. But I'll be very surprised if Spencer does sign uh, a full deal to be honest with you. Um, Lozowski, on the other hand, you know, not so sure. And again, um, these guys may not even be, be sort of, um, be sort of coming. I agree. We shouldn't be helping Saracens out, but I just don't see how um, they're going to be able to go, to go back there given, um, you know, you know, given they're not able to pay them now, but um, hopefully time will tell um, unless, you know, this is just another, um, you know, way that these guys um, sort of values, uh, market values have sort of been inflated and, uh, um, you know, another club's going to come in and, mm. and do what would be very good business. Yeah, just two, three, two, three-year deals, please. Um, get us into to, to next week, please, Hooper. That would go down uh, absolutely nicely. But I do worry that, that, that there is a little bit more of a complication because I do think, as we've said, we would have heard a little bit more by now. But certainly keep on tracking that. Um, refreshing the Twitter page often and, and hoping for, for the big news. But um, yeah, fingers crossed it's not in the too distant future. Uh, right then, Tom, uh, last thing on the agenda is the return of the blue, black and white uh, going two six ways, as I said, to, to face the Worcester Warriors. Um, good to have the boys back in your life. I can't wait for it. I'm more excited for this weekend than I have been for, mm. you know, for any of the, the Six Nations game. Um, I think... You know, Premiership does feel quite a long time ago now, and obviously to scrape past Leicester in the way we did, performance-wise, was disappointing. But I think now looking at the table and looking at the fixtures we've got coming up, I think that could prove to be to be fairly crucial. And the other point, but you know, I throw it back to you is I think you know we should see um, with the break week in the Six Nations. I think um, the guys we've spoken about, Dunn, um, Tommy Dunn, Will Stewart, and Charlie Yules come back and be available for selection. Mm. Also a break in the under 20s, so we might see Hamer Webb come back. The rumours are that Miles Reed and Zach Mercer are very close. Um, again, Stuart Hooper being very reticent um, in giving any details on on injuries. But, um, you know, we've had a couple of weeks off, so we could see these guys, um, these guys coming back into action. And we could actually go to six ways with a very strong squad and play a team that... Are, that are struggling with injuries and, and absences um, and therefore you've got to think are, are beatable, particularly as, you know, their, their recent form in the Premiership has been absolutely shocking. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of under the impression that, that Mercer will be back. Uh, oh, I think I think exciting. he was, uh, yeah, I think I heard 
that this was the game he was targeting uh, and I think he was almost ready to be back for, 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 for if there had been a game this weekend. So um, hopefully he will be back. Um, I'm probably going to be proven wrong on, on, on Friday when the teams are announced, but I'm under the impression he'll be back and yeah, it, Yules almost certainly uh, will be available for selection and, and, well. and Dunn and Stewart. You'd like to think so. So otherwise they'll just, there'll be rustiness in the leg. So yeah, should be a, a, a really strong team, Tom. And yeah, Worcester are, are a team which... I guess one of the teams that were most relieved with the Saracens news, just because whilst they probably had aspirations of looking up, there would always have been kind of just glancing over their shoulder. And now it gives them a lot more freedom uh, and hopefully from their point of view would, would bring the best out of them. Um, have beaten Tigers, Sale and Irish at home in the Premiership this season. I think always stronger at home. We often seem to to struggle yeah. there, actually. I mean, last last season it was that... Uh, that um, game when it went on for about four hours and, uh, and all the and red we, cards yeah all those red yeah. cards and and we lost in about the 150th minute with with ian tempest yeah as you say tom so um that was a shocker that's got to be mm. one of the lowest moments i think of of last season i think with with worcester um they've got you know you look down their team sheet and you think yeah they're potentially quite beatable um but they have got you know some pretty solid reliable operators who know how to win games at six ways um, and they've also, you know, got some, I'm talking guys like Duncan Weir, um, uh, but they've also got some guys coming through who are genuinely quite exciting. So Ollie Lawrence um, was you know, touted as, as potentially getting included in in that England squad. He's, um, you know, a, a very, very good operator. Um, and then just, you know, classy operators like Francois Huhard as well, mm. um, who do, do make them a threat on their day. So, um, you know, I think the big thing for them really is that they are struggling with injuries. So um, only one winger, Perry Humphreys, um, that is fit in the whole senior squad. So um, Milani Nani um, is out along with Tom Howe, Dean Hammond, Ed Fido. So this looks like there's going to be sort of academy guys having to come in, um, come into to the side there. So um, yeah, you, you, I think you know, a lot of it's going to depend on how we, how we turn up. Our away form has been perplexingly poor at times. <laughs> um, this season so um, I'll be interested to see how strong a side we, we put out and you know I'm quite tempted to um, you know uh, to, to pop up to this one actually hour and a half I think it is you know that'd be a nice little Saturday uh, um, nice little Valentine's Day treat I think <laughs> or treat, Valentine's weekend treat treat yourself um, is that a date mate well we'll put it in the diary yeah it's got to be done <laughs> uh, yeah I think uh, you're right about, about Worcester they have got um Got, got guys which which on their day can can have a big impact Ted Hill as well in the back row been been in in and around yeah. the England squad a, a really well, exciting he's prospect he's in the squad yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah. so um yeah he I guess he'll be back but but I I was about to make the point that they're a team that's uh, are not affected at all by by international call ups really um so uh, that is uh, I think it's only him yeah that oh, is, no, Duncan Ware's been called up as well hasn't he oh my word. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, I guess no with, Russell, um, Finn yeah. Russell out. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Remember, there's only one team in the Premiership, including <laughs> Newcastle in the Championship as well, without um, England representation in the Six Nations squad. Well, I think that, that that's a point I was going to make. Is kind of looking at these next three Premiership games uh, against Worcester, and then two home games against Harlequins in Bristol it is a real opportunity for us to to hopefully get two, three wins from that and, and, and push up the table. But unfortunately, they are three of the sides which are, are least affected by, by internationals. As you say, Bristol with none, Worcester with, what, two? And I think Harlequins with, with only the two props. So um, unfortunately, we maybe face them uh, during this period. But uh, yeah, hopefully, as you say, a, a good opportunity to, to get some wins. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll, so it'll be the four guys, most likely for us, mm. um, including Falatau um, and mm. then the three England starters um, who will be missing out. So you'd like to think that we're we're relatively strong and you know with guys coming back, I think, you know, and we've got the squad depth now to put out put out a good side. But you know, you're absolutely right. Uh this is always a massive um you know a massively crucial time of the season when some teams are are impacted so so much worse. Mm. And 
um, you know, Brist- Bristol and Quinns will um, will fancy, you know, both got a good record against Bath this season. Both both teams have beaten us this season. They will fancy their chances with the guys that we've got away coming down and, and doing a bit of a number on us. So, um, you know, with the league table uh, as tight as it is, you know, only three points off, off fourth, um, you know, and only 90... Uh, 98 points off the bottom of the table um, <laughs> I think you know we've <laughs> we always say that but we're not going down so it's all good um, you know we'll, we should obviously need to be looking up rather than down and um, I think with it so yeah. tight this next few this next few um, games against teams that are pretty much around us in the table now um, will sort of enable us to get a bit of an edge and then when we have our sort of you know big guns come back if we win these next couple ultimately we'll be looking at top four Nine, nine, 98 points clear of the drop podcast name done uh yeah but i think if we were doing a a bristol podcast or a worcester or a harlequins podcast i think the point we would always be making about bath in this period is just how much we are affected by it so um i think they'll as you say be eyeing up these games and seeing them as a real opportunity to, to get wins themselves so a huge block of games starting mm. with the, the the trip to six ways um, prediction from from you, Tom. I think we've, we've stopped doing these a little bit. Uh, they're always so reliable uh, and accurate. I think the listeners have missed it. So a quick prediction from you. Uh, Bath Worcester Saturday afternoon. Well, it might not be the prettiest game in the world because... Um, say the, say two, the name of the storm again. <laughs> the two uh, lowest scoring um, teams in terms of tries um, in the league. Worcester with 13 uh, and a points difference of minus 83 despite having won four of their nine games. And Bath with only 15 tries, uh, three bonus points between them, uh, both winning and losing bonus points between them in those 18 games. Um, so it could be a bit of a, a bleak game, and I'm putting myself off um, uh, driving up the M5 to go to six ways uh, now. But um, but yeah, I, I think I, I'd be really disappointed with this one because I think we've we've got to be beating teams like this now. We're starting to build a bit of momentum, and we're starting to win games that are close and we're starting to have you know show that we've got the bottle and the mental aptitude to to get through these tight games sale and Leicester being you know two recent examples so um we should scrape past past Worcester I think but as I say I don't think it'd be pretty um so I'm gonna go Bath by four yeah I, I I agree I mean how many times have we we said that we are starting to build a bit of momentum but yeah hopefully we are actually starting to, to, to do that. And you have told me, Tom, that the reason we can't score any tries is because we're playing at Shrek Swamp. So artificial pitch, no excuses. Should be a, 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 a free-flowing bar performance. Academy with, winger. With, you know, uh, it's, got, it's, it's prime time for Roy McConaughey to get a hat-trick, I think. Gervin, you've had two weeks. Let's um let's have a look, shall we? Uh, uh, Bart attack. Hopefully, will be much much improved. Um, yeah, can't wait for the Premiership to be back, as as you say. Uh, and great to be back with you, Tom. Uh, missed it last week, it's good so to be back. Um, yeah, we'll be back same same time next week. Uh, reviewing that game, looking ahead to to the to the upcoming game uh, against Bristol. Is it first? Yeah, Bristol, yeah, Bristol. and then uh, all, all other things. Um, blue, black and white related. So enjoy the rugby. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Share the podcast. uh, Follow us on social media. Do all those great things. Review, rate, uh, just help us out because we love doing it and we hope that you uh, also are enjoying listening to it. Thanks for listening uh, and enjoy the rugby.